Good afternoon. This is Dr. David back with the Fresh Start with Dr. David podcast. I hope everybody is doing well. As you know, we're now in the month of February and time is passing and passing and flying by this year already. And as you know, if you've listened to some of my podcast episodes about the flow of time and how time works, oftentimes it doesn't work in a linear way. And so I always tell people in terms of getting your New Year's resolutions done, getting things accomplished, getting your plans and strategies activated and executed, you've got to start early. So if in terms of what I do for my New Year's resolutions and things like that, I tend to start on my New Year's resolutions in the fall of the year before. So I started on my New Year's resolutions for this year, way back in October, November, December. And I always calculate that I'm going to get the greatest amount of productivity in the first three months of the year. And so I encourage you to do that. If you see now that we're in February, that you're not reaching some of the goals from the New Year's resolutions that you may have set at New Year's or in January, or maybe even in December, go back to the drawing board and figure out why you're not getting those done. And there's probably some reason, a specific reason from your past, why you're not getting those done. And, you know, you're always welcome to schedule an appointment in my office so we can work on that. You've got to have a formula, a strategy for achieving success. And if you don't plan ahead, then plan to fail. And, you know, that goes back to the old moniker. If you fail to plan, then plan to fail. It's so true and especially true about achieving your goals. Generally speaking, most people are the most productive the first three to four months out of the year. And with that, that leads us into my special guest, our special guest for today. I'm really excited to have her on the show today. I know it's been a while since we've recorded a podcast, but she is a dynamic, motivating person, a healer, accomplished, super duper accomplished, super duper intelligent, super duper driven, motivated, inspired, inspiring. I promise you will have a hunger for wholeness by the time we get to the end of this episode. And so without further ado, I'd like to welcome our special guest for today, Gigi Denard. Hi, Dr. David. Thank you so much. I'm so delighted to be here on Fresh Start with Dr. David. This is really an honor. Thank you so much. Oh, my God. I'm so impressed. I never, ever would have thought if you'd asked me as a child what I was going to grow up and do and produce. I never planned on being an author. It just kind of came out really spontaneously because I wanted to provide some resources for my clients in terms of you know positive affirmations and daily motivational quotes and things like that. And I was truly inspired by Oprah Winfrey's letter where she gives motivational quotes and things like that. And that's kind of the, uh, the origin of how my books came about. But when I was reading about you, when, when I was first introduced to you about being a guest on the show, and I saw the books that you'd done and the titles, I was so, so impressed. And I still am. Thank you so much, Dr. David. So, yeah. So welcome today. And if you would, I'd love, I mean, I have a sense of of some things about your journey, but how about I let you kind of lead and tell me a little bit about how your work began and just kind of what your purpose and what your passion has been throughout this work. Absolutely. Uh, delighted to do that. Thank you. Absolutely. So, 
Mine actually began with my own living experience. I happened to have grown up in a household without my father. I did not meet my father until I was 17 years old. So that's a story and a journey in and of itself. (laughs) But what happened was when I did finally meet my father, one of the kind of cool things Mm -hmm. was that I found out that he and I write a lot alike stylistically. Wow. He showed me something. Yeah. He showed me something that he'd written. And I was like, oh, wow, this sounds like I could have written this. Wow. And so we decided to write our stories, our own stories of reunion from our own perspectives and then merge them into one story. Wow. Because we just thought that would be cool. So there was no book plan. There was no nothing. This was really, I think, something that God was using in our own healing. Yes. You know, we both had suffered a lot in that 17 year gap. And and so it was it was really kind of therapeutic for us. Right. To 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 describe our stories together. But as I shared it out, I had a roommate who was a professor at UC Berkeley and she ended up asking me to read it to her class. And here I am in this college class, and these students are crying as I open up and share this story. Wow. Wow. Okay. Didn't see that coming. And then I was later in restaurant. I was working as general manager in restaurant and met a woman who was in prison ministry, got into conversations with her because my dad had also been in prison ministry. Right. And she asked me if she could see a copy. I was telling her about the story and she loved it. And she said, would you mind if I take this, you know, and share it in my prison ministry? I was like, oh, no, of course not. (laughs) You know, so that was cool. You know, it was like, oh, wow. okay, so this actually has some purpose beyond us. Right. But I, I went to Howard undergrad as a journalism student. Okay. And there was a professor I had who had been kind of like a surrogate dad to me in college. Right. And I would visit him periodically when I came back. I had friends still here and stuff. So I went out to lunch with him and shared it with him. And the book was really his idea. He said, if you got like stories from, you know, five or six other people, this could really be a powerful book. Mm. And so I was like, huh. You know, hadn't thought about it, thought it was a cool idea, did not jump on it right away. It actually took another decade. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Before that ever came to fruition. But it did in 2012. And that sort of launched me into something that I really could not have imagined at the beginning. (laughs) Wow. Um, I was happy I wrote the book. That was all good. A number of things that happened along the way that I could, I really considered divine. One of them was getting the endorsement. Dr. Ken Canfield, who was the founder of the National Center for Fathering. Okay. That was pretty crazy. He didn't know me. Nobody knew me from anywhere. (laughs) This was, you know, my first step into this space. And I hunted him down because he was no longer at the National Center for Fathering found him at an organization called Impact in Los Angeles, wrote him and said, would you consider endorsing my book? Mm. He wrote me back, called me actually, and said, you, you know, do I know you from somewhere? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, he said, are you a part of Impact? No. <laughs> oh, 
I don't normally do that, you know, for people <laughs> I don't know, or people who are not a part of the organization. Then he kind of paused and he said, having said that, I really do like your writing. Hmm. So I thought, okay, maybe there's still a chance. And <laughs> then he asked me a couple of questions. He asked me where whether there was a call to action, because all he had seen at that point was the introduction. Right. That's all that was complete. Okay. Uh, everything else was in draft mode, really draft mode. Wow. And he asked me, was a call to action? I said, yes. He asked me, was there an eternal context sort of piece? I said, yes. And I said, they're in super draft form, but I'd be happy to send them to you if you don't mind reading the draft. Mm-hmm. And he said, send them to me. I did. A week or two later, he sent me a message and said, you'll have an endorsement by the end of the week. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. That was, pretty, that was pretty crazy. And and then I ended up also getting the endorsement of the new president mm-hmm. for the National Center for Fathering through his secretary. He had said he was interested, but he was just slammed, slam, slam, slam. And she kept saying, he's got to do this. He's got to do this. I'm going to make sure he does this. And I literally, she got it to me like the night before we went to press. <laughs> wow. Um, that was crazy too. So then fast forward, so I published the book and I'm thinking, great, I published the book. You know, I'm pretty happy with the way it came out, everything. And then I get this call during the summer from Dr. Canfield, who says, there's this conference in Portland in the fall, and I think you need to be there. So I've already told the pastor in charge that you should be there on the program. Oh, wow. That's what I said. Oh, wow. And had no idea what was going on. He said he's going to call you. So he did. And I could hear sort of even in his voice. Sort of like, what on earth? Who are you and why am I talking to you? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> because I you was totally unknown. And whereas the other speakers at this conference were men who very much have been a part of this father movement. Right. So here was this woman, unknown, <laughs> you know, and we talked for a while, but we really clicked. Mm-hmm. And so I got invited. So I ended up being the keynote inaugural speaker for the inaugural Father Shift Conference. Wow. The first one they ever had. Yeah, it was wild. It was very wild. (laughs) uh, It was like 400 people. The sanctuary is packed out. They had to bring in extra chairs. Wow. That's a good thing. Yeah, that was awesome. They had given me 45 minutes and I thought, how in the world can I talk about this for 45 minutes? Because, you know, I had written a book. I had not done any speaking in this space. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did lots of speaking, but not in this space. Right. So I was like, right, how am I going to talk about this for 45 minutes? Well, yeah, about 75 minutes into it. Wow. You know, he was giving me the signal like, okay, we really do need to get to Wrap up. Thing. Right. But, um, but it was so impactful. It was so amazing. And I was so confident at that point, I was born to do this, this right here. Well, this is what I was born to do. And I can feel that in your voice. And if you would you mind if I share a little bit about your background with the audience so that they can get a, a better feel for you? So I'm just going to share a little bit. OK, sure. Absolutely. So, so I'm just going to share a little bit that I have with a multifaceted career spanning over three decades. Gigi has gained insight into a myriad facets of human experiences, her journey traverses the arenas of service, excellence, leadership, development, identity cultivation, communication mastery, and kingdom living. 
Gigi's speaking prowess first ignited in high school where she clinched the state championship in oratory. From there, she advanced to become an influential motivational speaker, director of training at Capital Concierge, and the sole female speaker at the inaugural Fathership Conference. She has dedicated more than five decades to engaging and inspiring audiences with her captivating narratives, striking transparency, and resonating empathy. Her professional journey includes leading roles in multinational corporations and training thousands of professionals over the last 20 years. Also, as a national merit scholar, Gigi holds a BA in print journalism from Howard University and a JD from Stanford Law School. As the author of four acclaimed books, she explores themes around healing father-child relationships, unleashing personal and professional greatness, and the pursuit of passion. I love that. I love that. Is there anything that I missed out? <laughs> I tried to capture, but no, that, you know, and I, the, the way that it ends, the pursuit of passion, you know, that's when I, when I read the, when I, when you were introduced as, as being a possible guest on, on, on my show, my program. And when I read, when I read about you, the first word that popped in my head was passion. And then I, and then I saw how, you know, it started or some of it started with you clinching a state championship and oratory in high school. The first thing that popped in my head is passion. This person is passionate about their purpose and yeah. what they can give to the world and what they've been given as a gift. And that's the biggest thing that jumped out. And so one of the first things that I want to ask you is in terms of the the work that you do right now, what are some of the mo the things that you're most passionate about? Like in terms of, you know, your books, your workshops, what are you giving the world right now as a conduit of the passion that you have for your purpose in life? Well, thank you. I think the focus right now, you know, there's so much brokenness in the world. Yes. At so many different levels. And I'm a firm believer. I've done the research. It is evident <laughs> that a large portion of that brokenness can be tied back to father wounds and parental trauma. Yes. So my passion right now is to help as many people as I can jumpstart their healing journey. Love healing that. is a process. Love that. It is not an event. So True. I'm trying to get people on the front end because unfortunately we have, we've become very good at masking, yes, pretending, wearing a face. <laughs> so people are walking around wounded and nobody's really digging into it. They're walking not wounded. sharing that on social media. You walking know? wounded. Yes. I love walking, that. Walking, so walking wounded. Help those people realize that one, they don't have to stay wounded, that there is an answer, that there is healing, that there is wholeness to be found, and that really they owe it to themselves. I, I really am a, you know, if you look at my my website, everything's about unlocking potential. Mm. I want everybody to achieve the fullness of their individual potential. And that is absolutely impossible. <laughs> when we are in emotional and psychological bondage. 
You know, the other thing, and that's absolutely true. That is absolutely true about being in bondage. One of the other things that that jumped out to me, and it's, it's I can have this weird kind of flow of consciousness where I feel something from one area and I feel something from another area and I just kind of go with it. One of my favorite movies, I'm a big movie fan, and, and whenever I can use an analogy from a, a movie or from a song that kind of grabs my attention, I will. And one of the, when I looked at the bio about you, and maybe, maybe I was ready to eat. I don't know. But one of the first things that jumped out to me was the concept of soul food. Soul food is one of my favorite movies. And one of the reasons why is because when they got together at that table at Big Mama's house, they weren't just getting fed food. They were getting, their souls were getting fed. And when I looked at your bio and I looked at, you know, I looked at hungry, hungry for wholeness, and I looked at well-fed resources. Soul food was the first thing that popped in my mind. And I said, it sounds like she's serving up healing. That's that's what I thought. Absolutely. That is absolutely what I believe my calling is to do, is to, is to serve. And it's funny. So I, I do a lot of analogies with food because I'm also a chef. Oh my God. Wow. See, so, <laughs> see, I was going somewhere mentally and you I didn't even know that. that. Yes. So I, and, and it's funny because food is often a pathway yes. for people to open up their soul to you. Absolutely. And so that is often sometimes a way that people first connect with me, connect with me through my food. And then that tends to give me access to them at a more vulnerable place. Mm. I can help them identify things in their own woundedness and and help point them out of it. Wow. Wow. So let me ask you. So throughout your work and everything, you know, there you you do workshops, am I correct? Correct. I do workshops. So yeah. tell me about those workshops, because that's that's definitely something that I'm interested in. I know my audience is interested in that. People like workshops because of the way it's structured. It allows them right. to make a place for something new without completely committing to it. Workshops are a good way to introduce things to people. So tell me about your workshops. Yeah, and that's why I call this a jumpstart. Mm-hmm. So because healing is not a one and done. I want to get people on the path and with some tools to help them continue their healing journey. So I do a three sort of step or segment approach. Okay. Um, and it begins with recognition. Oh, wow. Most people do not recognize how their father wounds are still impacting them. Right. At 27, at 37, at 57. Right. <laughs> They're still being impacted. And a lot of people don't understand how they're being impacted. They may know they feel hurt or angry, right? but they really don't understand how it's influencing their behaviors and their relationships with others. Okay. And so we start out by exercises that helping them sort of locate their own patterns of behavior that might result from this wounding. And then also help them identify an archetype or more one one or more archetypes of the type of father they had. So oh, wow. five archetypes that I address. Okay. The absent father, uh-huh, the abusive father, okay, the accusing father, the authoritarian father, mm-hmm. and the apathetic father. Wow. 
That's amazing. Four out of five of those are actually when a father might be present, and yet it is very unhealthy. Right. Development of the child. And so I I help people sort of identify that as well. And so once we sort of get through this, you know, piece of uncovering it. Right. Then I talk about a piece that's the most uncomfortable is in the middle. Hmm. And that I call repent and relief. Okay. Repent. Um, okay. And that, it's a focus on forgiveness. Okay. Yeah. Um, there's a lot, tends to be a lot of anger, resentment, et cetera, floating yeah. around this whole wound. Right. And it's a tough piece, but it's a, it's a critical piece to wholeness. People tend to misunderstand what forgiveness is all about. It's not about him. Okay. It's about you. Yes. <laughs> and yes. you need to do it. Yep. Not for him, but for you. Yourself. Yep. And uh and forgiveness is a is a is a taskmaster mm. and really will bully you. Mm. <laughs> and and it really has a devastating effect on you emotionally and even physically. Hmm. Uh, there's evidence that people who carry a lot of bitterness and resentment mm. find that manifesting in illness in their bodies. True. So, so yeah, so it's a big deal to deal with, but it's also hard. So we walk through gently, but directly <laughs> into some exercises. I have people write down some things about their upbringing, you know, kind of writing out their story. We go through a period of just kind of group. So nobody's really paying attention to what everybody else is saying. Pay attention to what you're doing. I do small groups, like no more than 12 okay. at a time. And for these particular workshops, I've done larger things in congregations, but more job corps, places like that. But but for these workshops, I, I try to keep it small and intimate because I want everybody to make sure that they get the attention they need in it and and have people walk through exercises to actually forgive and explain that forgiveness is a choice. You may not feel it today, and that's okay. Your emotions may take some time to catch up, but you can actually choose. You can make a decision about forgiving today. <laughs> and so we go through an exercise for that. And then the third piece is receiving. Mm -hmm. And so... Because my, my program is faith-based, okay. I talk about receiving in a couple of ways. One, I talk about receiving God's love as a father. Okay. And I also talk about identity cultivation, hmm. being able to see yourself as worthy of love. And so we go through exercises around both of those. And then I developed a 12-week companion diary. Okay. So that people can continue walking through these three areas after we leave the workshop. Nice. Yeah. Now so let's. Oh, go essence. ahead. No, I was saying that's that's the essence. Now let me let's. So I love that, and I love that system too. When I whenever I create something. I usually create it in threes. <laughs> I try to keep it simple because people, a lot of times that's easy to remember. You know, when you, right. when you keep things in threes, one, two, three, A, B, C, those right. kind of things, it's, you know, and I love yours is, you know, recognize, release and receive. Now, when you go to the recognize, the recognition part, you mentioned five different 
archetypes. When you look at some of the some of the people that you meet and some of the lives that you get to positively influence, do you find that people tend to that certain archetypes of fathers tend to show up more or would you say it's evenly distributed between those five types? I would say that I don't know if I would say it's evenly distributed. I would say that there's certainly a lot increasingly for for people in their 20s and 30s, maybe, mm-hmm. I would say there's a lot more absent fathers than people older. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, maybe a father was there and stayed there longer. But I also find that there tends to be more overlap. Fathers that were abusive often were also accusing an authoritarian right the apathetic piece is is probably the people have the hardest time sort of identifying because you've got somebody who was at home right frequently somebody who was a provider but they were completely emotionally unavailable Mm -hmm. and sometimes people have a hard time addressing that because they almost feel like, well, you know, he fed me, he clothed me, I should be grateful. Right. And not recognizing that it's okay to say that's he did all of that and yet I missed out on some things. <laughs> right. That are still affecting me and I want to get healing from that. When you when you think about the concept of releasing, so there's one technique that that I use with a lot of my clients and I share about it in the podcast. I think I've mentioned it several times. It's called the Sedona method. And it's a it's a methodology based off this this second R that you mentioned in healing about release. It's called okay. the Sedona method. There's a book about it called the Sedona method. There's a course on it, but I use a lot of it with my clients and and I use it because it's my belief that as a species we're great at holding on to stuff, but we're not very good at letting go of it. And you know, even our DNA, our DNA is designed to collect things, not yeah. not to let go of them. And so one of the things that really, really caught my attention is that that was the second R in your system for healing was release. Mm-hmm. Tell me yeah. about how release works. So, yeah, so I think you're absolutely right. It starts from acknowledging the fact that, yeah, I am holding on to something. Mm-hmm. I am I am by choice <laughs> right. holding on to something even though it has negative implications and even creates negative emotions for me. You know, people who and we we all do this at various stages and to various degrees, you know, something happens and you didn't like the interaction. Right. And then you replay it. And by the third replay, (laughs) (laughs) you are now holding on to a memory. Mm -hmm. So imagine something that you've replayed for a decade or two or three. Mm. You have a firm grip on that, regardless of whether it's positive or negative. You are holding on. And so because these negative emotions like resentment, like bitterness, like anger, like unforgiveness, we hold them for, I think, for a couple of reasons. I think 
we hold them in part because we have this twisted sense of satisfaction <laughs> mm-hmm. from holding on as if that's going to punish the other person. Right. Which it doesn't, but in our head somewhere it does. I think we hold on to it because it's familiar. It's what we know. We've been carrying it with us. And I think we hold on to it because we don't have a method. Nobody said, how in the world do I get rid of this? Right. By the way. And so when you, when we, when I go through this process, one, if you can't release something until you identify that you're holding it and acknowledge it. Yeah. And acknowledge it. You must acknowledge it. And, and you kind of have to know its name. Mm-hmm. You know, what is it that you're really holding on to? And that can happen in stages. So again, I'm j- helping jumpstart this healing process. And you may only get to layer one that day during the workshop. Typically there are layers of release in my own instance. You know, I really thought that I had done the forgiveness work early. Years later, I was struggling in a relationship. It was actually the relationship with my assistant pastor who was female. There were things she was doing that were reminding me of my mother creating pain. And it turned out that I was still angry with my mother for not allowing me to grow up with my dad. Mm. I was angry with God for not allowing my dad to be there. And so this whole other layer of anger came rolling off (laughs) into puddle on the floor. (laughs) Mm. So they're layers, but all of those layers, as they're released, you're getting one step closer to actual wholeness. Yes. And so when you talked about the thing about movies, so yeah, I'm, I'm big on that. And because I'm such an empath, Mm -hmm. you know, movies, I feel things for movies like deeply. And when I was growing up, there were several movies that I would watch that I would cry every time I watched the movie because I felt like some of those characters felt in the movie. Right. And part of how I knew I had reached the place of wholeness is now I can watch those movies, have those memories and feel no pain. Mm. I'm no longer traumatized by it. It's just a a fact of history. Yep. I went through that. Yep. I used to feel that. Yep. That's what happened. And done. That's who I used to be. That's who I used to be. And that's why the third part of identity is so part, so important. You know, that, that we start renewing our identity, not as somebody victimized, you know, but as somebody who's blessed with gifts and talents and potential to give back to the world. And we focus on that. You have a purpose. You are here for a purpose. You have value. You have intrinsic value. Your value doesn't come from whether or not your father accepted or rejected you. Right. You know, those kinds of things are really important in that in that whole process. But the release piece, you can't really get to the receiving until you've done the release. It's kind of like you can't pour more into the full glass until you empty some stuff out. And see that and that brings me one of the things that I think is absolutely brilliant about your system of of the three R's, recognize, release, and receive. And it's a, a big thing that I talk about every day. I don't word it in exactly the way that you've worded it here, but I'm learning from it is the last two steps are release and then receive. 
But I noticed the order, which is so important, that you have to let go of it first before you can receive something better. One one of the huge things that I try to, when when I teach my clients the Sedona method, which is very similar to this, and when I do exercises to help my clients let go of resentment and let go of anger and frustration and let go of abandonment and let go of grief and all of those things, one of the things that I tell them and promise them is that this, if you let go of all the baggage and all the soot and all the stuff that's weighing you down, that will make room for you to add positive stuff. But as as long as you hold on to that stuff, you won't be able to add any positive stuff. Yeah, You're exactly. choosing the negative junk over the positive stuff that's actually going to help you reach all the goals and desires that you say that you have. Yeah, yeah. But you can't have it all. You can't have both. Right. You can't have a <laughs> bank account filled up with blank sheets of paper and right. filled up with cash. You got to right. choose one or the other. And that's what I think is so brilliant about your system of recognize, release, and receive is the idea or the concept or the belief that you've, or the process really, that you've got to let go of some stuff before you can grow some or get some better stuff. Exactly. Exactly. It is, it is definitely a requirement. You know, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. And it's, and I think a lot of times, you know, if people are parents, Sometimes it's really easy to talk to them from that angle mm. because I talk about the fact that, you know, you cannot pour from an empty cup. Yes. So if you don't have what you need to be whole, you cannot give that to your children. Right. Because giving giving emptiness is giving nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Oh, my God. I love this. You know, in terms of now, now. People can book you for the workshop, right? Where they can book to to be yeah. a part of the to join the workshops, right? Yeah. And where do they do that from? So my website is www.wellfedresources.com. Okay. If you go to the healing tab, you'll find the books and and an ability to sign up for a workshop, register for a workshop there. And I've got that as W E L L F E D R E S O U R C E S dot com, just like it sounds. Correct. Wellfedresources.com. Correct. I love and that. And when you go to the front page, you'll see there's a well water, water pouring down because uh-huh. when the idea came to me, I right. was driving uh-huh. and I literally. The word well fed came, but the picture that came with it was a water well. Hmm. Wow. And so wow. that really is I I see what I do as a a a well water. Wow. Water spring resource. That's why it's well fed resources. I, I love see that. As a resource, a watering resource. I love that because the funny thing is my book, The Nutrient Diet, the first chapter is about water. Ah. The first <laughs> chapter of my diet book, my diet, nutrition, health, wellness, weight loss book is about uh-huh. water. Yeah. So I love that how you put the water, the, the well-fed as referring to a well of water instead of well-fed being a plate of food. I love that. Yes. And yeah. while, and with the t- uh, the time that we've got left, 
tell me a little bit about your books and where they can find them and what they are. Yeah. So in this space, we've got Hunger for Wholeness, a Mm -hmm. call to pursue healing and restoration in your father-child experience. Okay. So it's available through the website or directly on Amazon. Okay. Um, I've also written a couple of books in the business culture space. Nice. One is about service excellence. It's called a service culture playbook. Okay. And I've also just released one. I released the Kindle version in December. Expect the paperback to be available probably in the next couple of weeks. And it's a leadership culture blueprint. Nice. And I think I'm I'm working on on one about mothers and daughters. I think that's going to be my next piece. In fact, I've had a lot of people ask me about that as I've reached out in this father space. I think right. I need more healing. Yeah, I was I about to say. I need more healing before I can write that book. So I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> and I also have created an, a digital devotional which you can get to from my website on the Kingdom Living page. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. As soon as as soon as I heard, as soon as I started reading about, you know, the father-child relationship, I was just like, okay, as soon as people start reading about that and get some healing there, the next thing they're gonna want to do is <laughs> address the 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 son, mother, daughter, mother relationship and get some cleansing and some healing from that yeah. trauma too. Yeah, it's very interesting because most of the time, that's funny that you say that. I rarely get men who ask me about issues with their mother, rarely, every once in a while. Right. But I often get women Mm -hmm. who struggle with their mother. So a lot of times when I'm ministering to women about this father-child thing, they'll come up to me afterwards and say, okay, so... How does this work if it's my mother that's the issue and not my dad? And, right. you know, right, there are some overlaps, right. but there are some differences. Right. Um, I'm hearing recently that our expectations are different. Absolutely. Because our expectations are different, that creates different kinds of wounds. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> kinds of trauma that we have to work our way back. Everybody, yeah. No, absolutely. No, everybody, I think, and I think that's true. I think everybody has some issues to work out associated yeah. with both their parents. Parents, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, I had started working on a book about parents just in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's coming soon on that page. Okay. Uh, <laughs> which is called Grace Sufficient Healing. Wow. But I kind of feel like I want to do a shorter book just about mother-daughters because it be- it's it's requested a lot. Right. <laughs> and like I said, I've gotten, even just a couple of years ago, I got another layer of revelation about the woundedness with my mom that I had not understood that I think was kind of like the capstone for, okay, this now explains a whole lot more. Mm-hmm. And I was at a place where it didn't hurt. You where, know, I could just where you could receive it. Revelation and just like, ah, okay, that explains a lot. You know, it actually gave me, you know, an opportunity to kind of give more grace to my mom. But I also think that it's important for people to understand. I, I, this is just my belief. I believe that the stuff we go through is not just to us, but for us so Mm. that we can be a conduit for others. Absolutely. And that there really is a purpose in the pain. And if we can embrace that purpose and see how we can help free others, then, then that helps too. 
in the healing journey when we can find some redemption in that in that pain. Everyone out there who is listening to this episode, you deserve to get fed. And Gigi's got a lot of stuff that I think is going to feed your soul, feed your psyche, feed every part of you, starting with water, going to the main course, and then to the dessert. Everyone out there, visit Gigi's website. It's wellfedresources.com. Check out her books on Amazon. Check out her program. I promise you, if you do the work healing, those relationships, it's going to come back to you and it's going to manifest in every area of your life. Gigi, thanks so much for being a guest today on my show. Thank you, Dr. David. This was wonderful. This has been a huge treat. And I want to leave my audience with one thing. (laughs) One thing I want to ask you. When you think about the father-child relationship, what's the number one thing that you think is important in healing that relationship? I think think the release. Yeah. I really honestly believe that the release is the most important piece. I love that. Yeah, I totally agree with that because you got to let go. And and I think that's one of the things when I think I'm a huge movie buff, like I mentioned earlier, I'm a huge math person. I believe in balancing equations. And I think that's just one of the basics of math. When you balance an equation, you do something to both sides that makes sense. And when you balance something out that's negative, you've got to add something positive, but you can't add that positive until you take out the negative. Correct. Yeah. So I love that. Hey, thank you so much for being a guest. Everybody, please check out Gigi's books on Amazon. Check out wellfedresources.com and do something every day in order to repair and heal who you are. And it helps if you have a process like Gigi's three R's of healing, recognizing, releasing, and receiving. Thanks so much, Gigi. You are a treat to have today. Okay, you guys take care. Thank you so much and check out the next episode. And when you get a chance, go ahead and visit Gigi's website. Check out her programs, check out her books and make a decision, an active choice to grow into the person that you want to be. And with that, I will see you on the next episode of Fresh Start with Dr. David. You take care and be well.